to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in, pl- in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Amen. Continuing from verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please, excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please, excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. 
Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation, while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Good evening. My name's Roger, one of the ministers here. It's great to be meeting with you this evening. Um, I love banquets, as you can tell. I particularly love Chinese New Year. I can remember as a child going to banquet after banquet after banquet for Chinese New Year. Fantastic fun. This chapter has as a metaphor uh, running all the way through it the idea of banquets and feasting. Uh, It points forward to a great feast and a great time of celebration. But Jesus in this chapter is using the idea of banquet to actually talk about something else. Woven throughout the chapter, what Jesus is doing is he's instructing his disciples. Uh, If you've been with us over the past few weeks, you'll notice that we've moved from Jesus talking more generally to speaking more specifically to his disciples and also encouraging them to think through what is the cost of discipleship. Now tonight, as we look at this passage, what we'll discover is that Jesus is giving some instructions to his disciples to think about how to live well in an honour-shame culture. How to live well in an honour-shame culture. And they're called to be obedient and humble. Now, just before we launch into it, let's think about this idea of honour-shame culture. The one that Jesus was in was an honour-shame kind of culture, where uh, where this kind of thinking dominated people's lives. Uh, You could be shamed by people and therefore you made decisions uh, based on whether you would be shamed or honoured. Your moral decisions were often based on whether you would be shamed or honoured. Now the significance of this is that I think there's actually the rise of a shame honour culture now. It's been fascinating to read an article by David Brooks who wrote in the New York Times last year about a significant shift that he's noticing taking place within the life of Western cultures. He, goes, he suggests that not long ago in American campuses, um, people really held on to a kind of moral relativism. Um, basically, people could determine what was right and wrong subjectively, and you were called not to judge one another. 
So people are allowed to behave morally in ways that they thought were appropriate. It goes on to say that that's not accurate anymore. Uh, college campuses are now places awash with moral judgments. People think carefully and guard their words, afraid that they might transgress one of the norms that have come into existence. And so we've all seen it. Someone posts something on Facebook or on Twitter, and if it's not quite correct, all of a sudden, what happens? The person is shamed. People start trolling them. People start commenting and saying, you're not in, you're out, you're exiled, you're condemned. Uh, That's the way shame and honour works. If a group of people says it's not in, then you're out. And you can see that starting to develop in the way that people are thinking about things. so interesting this week to read an article in The Age um, talking about Trump and the fact that he's been told to go jump uh, by the American... Sorry, Malcolm has been told to go jump by Trump. The writer of the articles goes on to say, we need to find how to deal with a president who has shamed us as Australians. Interesting language. He's shamed us as Australians. So the idea of honour and shame is important in Jesus' day. I think it's becoming more relevant now. And the question we have for ourselves is, how do we live in a culture where there is shame and honour? And how do we live well in that culture? And I think here in Luke chapter 14, as Jesus unfolds these various banquets, he talks about being obedient and being humble. Come with me to the beginning of Luke chapter 14. Uh, You'll notice that Jesus is having uh, dinner at one of the leaders' houses, one of the Pharisees. Uh, This is a prominent Pharisee, a leader. So we're meant to read here, uh, this is a person who has status. Uh, People respect him. People see him not just as a normal Pharisee, but as a Pharisee who is a, a leader of Pharisees. But notice what is happening while he's there. He is being watched carefully. As Jesus gathers at this Pharisee's home, people are watching carefully. They're watching to see what he's doing. And we already know from Luke that Jesus has a battle with the Pharisees taking place. They disagree with what Jesus is saying and they want to shame him. They want to say, you're not in, you're out. Now, as they're sitting there having this meal, this man comes in and joins them. Now, it's difficult to know what the status of this man is, but it's highly likely that he probably shouldn't have been at this party. Uh, He's suffering in a way that he has abnormal swelling of his body, retained bodily fluids. Uh, From what I understand, that's a very painful kind of condition. And he comes into this party, he's at the party, and Jesus asks this question of the Pharisees and the experts of the Lord. Now we get the broader picture here. And he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now the Pharisees have been learning along the way. They've learned that Jesus is very clever in these instances and often makes them look like fools. And so they remain silent. Jesus continues on and starts to explain, well, what would you do if uh, you had a child or an ox that fell into a well? On the Sabbath day, 
wouldn't you immediately pull them out? Still, they have nothing to say. Their silence is quite remarkable, actually. But they're recognising that they could fall into a trap and they could look like fools. They want to determine who's in and who's out and they want Jesus to be out. But notice what Jesus is doing. He doesn't refer to that kind of honour-shame moment. What he does is asks, what is the right thing to do here? What is the just thing to do? Not what is the socially acceptable thing to do. Uh, What will gain me honour in this situation? His question is, how does this relate to the word of God? In other words, another way of putting this is, how can I be obedient to what God has to say? And so he raises the question of God's word and he talks about the Sabbath and the appropriate way to observe the Sabbath. Jesus' criteria for judging this situation is not what makes me socially acceptable or how do I avoid being shamed or how do I, how do I act in a way that means that I'm honoured. How do I act in a way that means that I look good on Facebook? He says, what is consistent with what God has called me to do? What is the best way forward here? And so he is obedient in what he does. Now that's pretty challenging, isn't it? When you think about your workplaces or when you think about uh, the friends you hang out with, there's a lot of pressure to agree and to behave in certain ways um, around your friends, around your family, around your work colleagues, That means that you look acceptable. And you know full well what happens when you are not in that position and the way people can treat you as a result. Well, I want to encourage you. Jesus calls us here in his own actions and behaviours to be obedient, to consider what God would have us do in these situations first. Now, the man is healed And I think that's a beautiful foretaste of a banquet that is to come when everything will be restored and everything will be made well. Uh, It's a beautiful picture of Jesus' painting of the future. It's not here yet, but actually it's coming. Well, as Jesus continues to meet, he then goes on and talks about a wedding feast. Now, I think we actually understand what Jesus is doing here. Um, If you've ever been part of organising a wedding, you'll know what Jesus is talking about. I've had many brides and grooms sit in front of me and discuss the great challenges of working out the seating arrangements at the wedding banquet. Uh, Who's going to sit next to whom? And, you know, should we really put the parents on the bridal table or who's going to be there? And and it causes all kinds of tensions. Um, because we're concerned about honour and about shame at this point. We're concerned about making sure the right people are honoured. I was at a, a wedding recently where it was very, very awkward because most, almost all the family up the front were together, but one couple who belonged to the family were actually way down the back. There was a rift in the family and, oh, wow, the tension, you could feel it. Honour, shame. We get that. So Jesus is talking about um, a a situation where guests pick 
their place of seating. Now, we don't tend to do that, but in Jesus' day, that was quite a common thing to do. And he gives some party advice, some banqueting advice. He says, don't go for the great place of honour because what might happen is someone else might come in who's more honourable than you and then you'll look like a real fool because you'll have to move down from the place of honour. And he goes on to say in verse 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus is saying, this is a call to be humble, to show humility, to think of yourselves as less than other people or to think of others as better than yourselves. Or another way of putting it is to humble yourself by using your power in the service of others. Using your power in the service of others. And you can see that actually in verse 12 as Jesus continues to speak. He talks about a host um, who gives a luncheon or a dinner and he says to the host, don't invite your brothers and sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may, may invite you back and you will be repaid. Um, I don't know whether you've been in that situation where you've been invited to someone's place uh, for a nice meal and you know by the end of the meal that you're supposed to kind of return the favour. Um, there's an expectation that somehow you will have them back and at least give them an equally nice meal. Uh, if you've lived in that kind of culture as I have, it's very complicated uh, trying to work out exactly what you should do and how you should approach things and what you should say and who you should invite and how you should honour people, that kind of thing. And that's exactly what's going on here. But Jesus goes on and says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Jesus is saying, use your power in the service of others. Don't actually go out of your way to serve other people who will serve you, but find people who won't serve you. Be generous and kind and welcoming of those who can't actually repay you. Forget this shame-honour business. Treat people as God treats them. Invite them in. Now, there's a beautiful example of this that just happened yesterday. Using our power in the service of others. We run a bike shed. Most of you will, some of you will know that. Bike shed over here on Saturdays. And one of the beautiful things is people just turn up and grab bikes. We give them away for free. And yesterday, a little family turned up from Pakistan. Well, they actually didn't come from Pakistan, but... Sorry, they originally came from Pakistan, but they came actually from Bankstown yesterday. Um, and they came and got some bikes. Now, the amazing thing about this is this couple had... Uh, this little family had come all the way from Pakistan because they'd been chased by the Taliban. And so they'd been had a pretty horrendous time getting here. Come along to the bike shed, we give them bikes but they've got no way of taking them home. They can't get them home. And so a couple of people at the bike shed said, we can help. And so they packed up the bikes, put them in the car, and drove them out to Bankstown. When they got there, this little Pakistani family, a Muslim family in fact, welcomed them with open arms and gave them a great feast and said, we cannot believe coming to this country that Christians are so generous towards us. 
that had a bit of contact with other Christians. And all of a sudden they can see that, that this news about Jesus does something different to people. It shapes and transforms them. It doesn't actually matter who you are or where you've come from. You're welcome to come and join the banquet. Now, our prayer, obviously, is that we'll have ongoing contact with this family, but I think that's just a beautiful image of what Jesus is saying here. And something that I love our church to be known for, our generosity, our kindness, our humility in serving others, using our power to serve others. We've talked about obedience in a culture of shame. We've talked about humility in a culture of shame. They really subvert what's taking on, taking place in terms of honour and shame. Now, both those ideas, I think, are brought together in this parable that Jesus then goes on to say, and we see this coming together here. In verse 16, we see that Jesus starts to talk about a banquet, a great banquet with many invited guests. In other words, the, the RSVPs have been sent out to lots of people. I think he's particularly thinking of Israel here, but... The principle here is everybody knows the party is about to begin. The wedding is in a couple of weeks' time and people know that they're invited to the wedding. At the time the banquet comes around, he sends his servant out to those and invites them again and says, everything is ready. Everything is ready. You don't have to bring any food. It's not a potluck dinner. It's not something where you have to turn up with things. You just come and there's a banquet prepared for you. You've been invited and the banquet is now ready. Listen to these responses. The first person said in verse 18, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Now, that might sound a little surprising to us because we would normally see the field, then buy it, but apparently this was a process that sometimes people used. You'd buy a field and then go and have a look at it. But he says, well, I... The trouble, of course, is he could go and look at that field any time. Another person says, I've bought five yoke of oxen. Uh, that's a fairly big investment. That's true. He could wait but he's on his way to try them out. So he says, please excuse me. Now, note, they've had the wedding invitation for ages. It's not as if they didn't know this was coming, that this is an important banquet, an important feast. They know that the feast is going to take place. And then Jesus goes on to describe a third group of people. Still another said, I've just got married, I cannot come. It's really interesting to think about these excuses, isn't it? They're excuses not to join in the banquet, not to be part of the banquet. As the passage unfolds, and as we look at it a bit later, you can see in verse 33, Jesus says, In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And just before then, he refers to commercial arrangements, he refers to families, He refers to those things which people put first instead of Jesus. So I think what's going on here is Jesus is saying, if you want to come and join me at at the banquet, you're invited, but actually it requires obedience. We're called to be obedience. Sorry, called to be obedient. 
In the same way, if any of you do not give up everything they have, they cannot be my disciple. Well, as the parable unfolds, it's clear that the master recognises what's taken place, that people have made excuses, that they're refusing to be obedient, they're refusing to come to the, the banquet. And so the master says, go out to the streets and alleys and town them, bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Servant comes back, the master says there's still more room and so the master sends him out again until the place is full. Now, of course, this is a great picture of God drawing many, many people in. Uh, People not of status or of fame, just people of every crowd and every nation. It's, It's a great picture of humility. Now, it's a great picture of humility because these people are receiving a gift. They they can't do anything to receive the gift. They're invited to the banquet. It's not like they somehow are bringing something so they're invited. They're just invited. And to receive that gift means that they just have to receive it. They add nothing to it. And, of course, that's Jesus' invitation to us. He asks us to just bring ourselves and to trust him. Now, of course, the difficulty we have with both this idea of obedience and humility is that we don't like being obedient and we don't like being humble. We would prefer to do things our own way. I would prefer to do things my own way. I frequently find myself thinking, I know best. I know how to do this. And I want to avoid shame, so I'm not going to say anything. And then there are other times where I'm just too proud. And I think, oh, I'm not going to use my power in the service of others. And I forget that actually... I've been called to be humble and I've been called to humble myself before a great God. And so I want to suggest to you that as Jesus has told these stories and talked to us about banquets, he's saying, I want you to leave behind the desires that take you away from me, to leave behind your pride, your own achievements, And I want you to give up everything for me and to serve me. Now, in any kind of culture, that's a tough call. That's a difficult thing to do. And so that's why I think it's so significant that Jesus has done it for us. In Philippians 2, we read these wonderful words where this idea of humility and obedience come together says of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Hear that? The God of the whole universe. Nothing to be used to his own advantage. But he used his power in the service of others because being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming, what is it? Obedient to death, even death on the shameful cross. 
Jesus lived in a culture of shame. And his choice was to be obedient. His choice was to humble himself, even to death on a cross. And it's in him we can live this life. Not by ourselves, not with our own ability, but because by his spirit he can empower us to live that kind of life. And so this evening I want to invite you in the midst of this changing culture and this changing world to live as people who are obedient and people who are humble in light of what Jesus has done for us. Thank you. visit neac.com.au